Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today we are flashing back to episode number 87 with Ryan Trembler, Division Manager of Cutco Vector's Northern New England Division. Ryan has had a career that can be exemplary for anyone in business, not just in Cutco Vector. He has passed through several distinct stages that most people will relate to, and he has learned how to develop and evolve from stage to stage and through plenty of challenging times. Along the way, he has achieved Hall of Fame status in the company and has a great family life. In this short snippet, Ryan candidly describes the evolution of his career, from his early days as a sales rep with the legendary John Kane to his time as a district manager and now running one of the most thriving division teams in the company. He describes some of the mindset shifts that he made and some of the habits he developed that have helped him along his journey. Wherever you are in business, this episode is for you. I know you'll find plenty of ideas to help you move to the next stage of your own success. After listening today, I ask that you make a list of some team members or others in your life who you know could benefit from the insights of Ryan Trembler. The best way to repay the value you get from this podcast is by sharing it with others, so send this one along to all your colleagues today. The podcast is available on just about all podcast players. All episodes, guest bios, and show notes can also be found at changinglivespodcast.com. And you can support our podcast sponsors by clicking on the link marked Deals on the podcast homepage. Enjoy this flashback with Ryan Trembler, and be sure to revisit the full conversation at episode number 87. Let's start with uh, hearing about your early days and how you started with Vector. I had in the Vector office run by John Kane. John uh, Kane. A, a lot of people know that name. So indeed. Ran my interview, ran my training, and uh, was my direct manager for three years until I moved to the pilot. He brought me up in the business and leadership as, as if you take care of your people, then you'll be taken care of. So he would always say, if we take care of our people, then Vector will take care of us. Mm-hmm. And him there taking care of me, that's just kind of how John has always done it. And then for me, it's one of the things that I remember. So you worked with John for a few years during college, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then what made you choose to stay with Vector after you finished college? I'd say the biggest thing... So there was that feeling of like, I want to compete. You know, like I look up to these guys. I want to see... You know, I want to beat them. You know, there was that competitive part. But I think more than that even was just watching you know, John. Uh, I did get a chance. Earl Kelly was the competing district manager in the next town over. I got a chance to get to know him a little bit better because of how close he and John were. My division manager at the time, Tom Cannon, Al Leonardo. As you get to know these people more, 
they're just amazing people. And what also struck me was how much passion people had for the business and just loving what they did growing up. Uh, even to this day, I don't have a lot of people in my family that really love what they do. And they're all hard workers and they, they do a good job. But I don't see a lot of people loving what they do. And so it struck me how much they really were just in love with the impact they were having and what they were doing. And so I think I wanted to just get more of that and spend more time in that environment. When I went DM, the plan was to 3 years and then save money, go to grad school. And it just seemed like the right group of people to be around for a couple of years after college. Tell us about some of the early stages of your career and just how you evolved or moved from one stage to the next. Okay. So my first summer, I was really well-trained. I was a pilot the year before, and I didn't hit the numbers on my business plan, we'll say, in my first summer. And uh, that was all... Looking back, it was all on just the way I was approaching uh, that summer. So it took me until mid-June to really open up and put my ego aside and, and ask for help. You know, Prior to that, I was just in the mode of, I'll figure it out. And and uh, I just wasn't in my best best space headspace. Fortunately for me, that after kind of making that shift in the middle of June, I ended up going on to have a, a great July and a solid August and a good summer. But it was it was a a big lesson to just be open to leadership, to put that ego aside, to you know when you're having challenges, find people that can help you through them. And I continued to end of the fall, solid fall. Uh, SLC really inspired me to start growing and really work on that part and reading and, and really just trying to improve. And, and I was in a much better spot uh, going into that first full year. We did 216000 my first 8 months and jumped up to 550000 in my first full year. I would say the big step forward that spring was just focusing on my own consistency. And, uh, and, and that spring, I, I really worked on building the, the right habits and, and uh, not really waiting for the summer, but using February, using March. I believe that year, I was number one in the nation for one week in April. And, uh, and I, it was Easter week, and I still remember it. And, and at that moment, it was kind of like, all right, this is working. And so I went into the summer just with a lot more confidence and and those habits led to success, which led to confidence, which that second summer, I started attracting a lot more and better people. I was able to develop a, a really great work ethic and just showing up no matter how I felt and just found the plan. And, and what's I think driven me as a division manager and a district manager is that it's really important to me, the leadership I provide for the people around me. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I had people around me, now that was all the reason I needed to perform at a high level. And uh, I've, I've seen that with other districts that I've helped manage, that even if it's just one or two people that they really care about what they provide for that person, that's going to be a step forward in their, their effort, their results, all that stuff. How about uh, as a division manager in your early days as a division manager? What was that stage like for you? My early days as a division manager were really a culmination of all of that effort as a DM. I always wonder, had I not gotten promoted, you know, what would that year have looked like as a DM? And I'm sure I would have taken that next step just because where I was. But in my case, I got moved to seven hours away, got to take a couple people, but largely was inheriting a group of people that were already here. And 
just kind of took the same habits and same work ethic, this new belief that I created. And uh, we had some great early success. So we, the team I took over did 2.6 million in 2000. And in 2001, we did 5.4 million wow. essentially with, with the same team. How did it grow so big in that first year? I think the two things I did correctly, I, I really built relationships with the, the people here. And I just spent a lot of time, whether that be dinners or events that we did, or, or even our cap sessions planned in the summer were extra long. Uh, and so that was number one. And then number two, when it came time for the summer to launch, uh, I just relied on what I knew I was great at, which was running an office. And we just really led through the pilot. One of my uh, DMs was Mara Fosto. I think she was instrumental in really supporting me and, and whatever I said to do, she jumped right on it. And she, she made sure all of her people were, were on it as well. And, and her and I had a great couple of years together, uh, leading the division together. And she definitely had a big impact as well. Yeah. Awesome. So you had these uh, initial years as a division manager of very high success. I believe you topped out right up over 7 million, one of those, one of those first few years, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and then you entered into a stage of some challenge. Can you describe that stage for us and what you feel helped you to move beyond it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can remember just things weren't working as well as they had been. And, and whenever I've experienced that, the most natural thing is to start questioning everything. And so I went through a stage where I questioned the program and some changes that were made. Or, or then I went through a stage where I questioned myself and, you know, have I, have I lost it? Two things I did right is I, I kept showing up even when it wasn't as exciting as I was used to. And I also remember just grabbing the people that I really liked and that I really wanted to build with. And even though I didn't have my full confidence, just making sure I did whatever I could do to that, that they were having a great experience. And uh, I ended up retaining some of them. And as I continued to kind of get back on my game, you know, they were there to, to help us kind of move into the, to the next phase. For me, the decision to just open my, myself up to improvement has always gotten me through those challenging times. What was great about Al and Earl and so forth, they, they never lost belief in, in what I could do. And, and so that was always one of the things that motivated me. Yeah. You know, you referenced questioning yourself during that time of challenge. And I think this is a great thing for everybody listening to think about because the reality is that in any business, there are cycles that we experience. There are ups and there are downs, even for the best people. There are times that are down. And during those times, it's very easy to question yourself. However, you, during those times of challenge, were more developed, more trained, more capable, more skilled than you were two years before or four years before, right? You had come through more. You were, you were more capable of success in those moments of challenge than you were a few years earlier when you were experiencing greater highs. And a lot of times we lose sight of that and we just focus on deficit and what's not going right. And that tends to keep people 
down versus reminding yourself of the best times you've had, the strengths that you have, what is good in your business and leveraging those strengths that you've developed over the years to pull yourself out of those sort of natural ups and downs. I think that's an important lesson people can can take that uh, that can help them to overcome those times as well. How do you feel your career has continued to evolve since that time? I'd love to hear more about your division manager experiences and the evolution of your career. Awesome. I think that taught me the importance of sphere of influence and who you're talking to. And uh, I think I could credit Trent Booth was the first person to ask me this. And that is, who are the key people that that when you talk to them, they bring energy to you? And are you talking to them enough? And, and really just thinking about the people, in this case, outside of the business, although two or three of them happen to be also in the business, that I have to make sure that I'm talking to to be my best self. And, and so that's part of the sphere of influence. It's also people in the business. And, and just no matter who it is, you know, people that are doing great, I'm just making sure I'm in the same room. I'm talking to those people. Just being around other people that are innovating, that are really pushing themselves, that are, I guess, at the cutting edge of things, right? Can we use that pun? <laughs> we and, can. Uh, and, and so that sphere of influence has been huge. And, and it seems like that kind of, no matter the challenges you run into, that helps you navigate and continue seeing the future and where you're going to be if you keep working hard. So even after through the, what I would say is the most challenging part uh, of being a DVM, there's still been stretches that were challenging. And I kept coming back to that same advice I got that, that is just, you know, focus on growing your people, just wrap your arms around the people that, you know, you really want to grow with and, and make sure they're good and you'll be fine. Challenges are temporary. Those times come and it's just about, you know, continuing to take care of your people at a certain point, figure out your, you know, what your next vision is and just keep moving forward. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Ryan, is most important to you as a leader? I think the biggest thing I think of is energy. When I'm somewhere, I just want to be that smiling face, that, that vibe, that energy. And that's one of the things I've been blessed with. Even now, 26 years later, I still have that, that energy when I get into the office, when I'm at meetings and I'm talking to people. So that's number one. Number two, I'd say just, just being a servant leader you know, and really giving of myself and my effort and my time. And I was taught to say, we're, Hey, we're never going to quit on you. That resonates with me. The idea of really just, you know, believing in people, not giving up on people, giving them myself and then helping people see the, the bigger for themselves. What we're about to enter into is, is the best that Vector has ever seen. And with that, I believe the people that are doing the right stuff, that are working hard, that are taking care of people and doing uh, the, the right style of leadership are really going to be part of it and, and benefit in a very real way. If we take care of our people, then uh, we will be taken care of. And what we do is amazing. There's other companies that believe in personal growth and try and set up systems like that. But we're able to do it at a much younger age for these people, where it's just going to change the trajectory of everything they do. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. 
please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 